Blog Talk Radio. Saturday morning, time for a brand new episode of Weekend Sports Huddle. This is Tom Pollitt in the host seat. We're supposed to have a full lineup today. It's going to be interesting to see, but uh, okay, there comes the other one right now. But uh, got a lot of uh, great stuff for you today. Um, give you some headlines. Last Monday, uh, during the first game of a three-game set against the Pirates, Anthony Rizzo caused both benches to empty. Two days later, um, the bench was emptied again. So uh, a lot of controversy in the Cubs-Pirates series last week, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into why both benches decided to empty and get to know each other out in the middle of the field. Uh, we're also going to look at the state of the National League Central at this point. Uh, Pirates dropping off a bit over the past week, and the Cubs have been on fire, so we're going to see how the trends are looking, see how things are are shaking out. And we are going to finish up the show with some Stanley Cup Finals talk. Very entertaining um, Stanley Cup Finals so far. Uh, considering that we're looking at uh, an expansion team and a team that hasn't been in there since, well, before the turn of the last century, I guess, um, got bit by the millennium bug a little bit and haven't been able to make the finals <laughs> till now. <laughs> but we're going to get to all of that in just a moment. I'm going to bring in my two co-hosts and, Let's see if our traveling boys are back home, finally. Uh, Everybody seems to have been on the road the last couple of weeks. Uh, Going to Atlanta, we're going to bring in our co-host, Dave Holcomb. Dave, you back home? I am, Tom. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. So you are back home in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. All right. You had a great trip, though. Uh, why don't you just go over your trip real quick and let people know what you were doing? Oh, uh, my, my girlfriend and I road tripped um, from Philadelphia to uh, Mount Rushmore was our destination, but we went through lots of different uh, states and cities that we had never been to before. Uh, for my girlfriend, the first new place that she went to was Ohio, so... <laughs> it, the entire trip basically was was new places for her, um, and on our way back we took a different route. Basically made a circle, and um, for your you know the sports fans here on our show, we the sports part of the trip started in Fargo, 
we went to the Roger Maris Museum in Fargo, which was fantastic. Yeah, I saw your pictures of that. That was great. Um, learned even more about Roger Maris than I already knew. A lot of the stuff they, they had there was from the movie 61, or 61 got its stuff from uh, the museum, I guess I should say. Um, that, that, if you haven't seen 61, really accurate, great portrayal of, of Roger Maris' 1961 season. But there was a lot more to his career and life than just that year, and, and that's what the museum – uh, why the museum was so great, I walked away really believing that Maris was a, a, a great baseball player, even though he isn't in the Hall of Fame. And then uh, we continued on to Minneapolis, saw a Twins game, and then, of course, we caught up with you, Tom, in Chicago, going to the White Sox and the Cubs games on th- last Thursday and Friday. Yeah, and that was a lot of fun. So, and, and yeah, let, let me interject there for a second. It's Roger Maris, yeah, everybody only thinks about that 1961 season where he hit the 61 home runs. Um, he was a top player for the Kansas City Athletics before that. Uh, he had a couple of good seasons for the Yankees after that. was definitely a very good baseball player. This is not a guy who was hanging his head on one season. So, you know, I'm glad you were able to see that and, and get a feel for, for what Roger Maris was, um, you know, throughout his career, not just through that uh, one season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he, I, always, I guess I always thought, you know, that he had a, a few good years, but wasn't, or a few really great years, uh, won the MVP twice, um, and then just kind of, tailed off and and if you look at his numbers he he did he did tail off but he he actually suffered a hand injury and uh was it 1963 i think it was 63 or 64 uh which basically took away his power for the rest of his career mm-hmm. um but despite his kind of shy personality in front of the media he was a great locker room player uh a really good teammate a uh, guy that you want to have on your team. And he seemed like he went to the World Series every single year. Um, the Yankees just, were in the World Series a lot with him. Yeah, and then he finished his and career then with the, he Cardinals. Went to the, Cardinals. the Cardinals. went to the World Series twice. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, guy you wanted on your he team. Played, one of those guys who won wherever he was. He played 12 for years. Kansas City. Right, right. He played 12 years. He was in the World Series seven times. Yeah, and, and, and seven that's... of those nine, seven of those nine were in his seven of the all seven of those World Series were in the last nine years of his career after he joined the Yankees. Right, right. Yeah, because at that time Kansas City, well, Kansas City Athletics were actually looked at as like a for a farm club for the Yankees. Because the Yankees always rated the athletics for their talent and gave up the players that uh, they were kind of tired of having and, and felt were on the downside of their career. So the athletics were always great for the Yankees because the athletics always uh, supplied the Yankees with great players. Um, <laughs> right. So, but um, glad you got to see that. We had a great time in Chicago. Glad you're home safe. And our other United States traveler, I was going to say world traveler, but 
don't know, Oklahoma doesn't quite cut it as a worldly destination. But our other big road trip guy, um, are you back home in West Virginia? I mean, Virginia, uh, Hunter Hody. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yes, yes, I am. I am back home in Virginia. Okay. I got home on um, Wednesday. Okay. And you were out there, why? Um, <clears throat> sorry, I was uh, visiting my girlfriend's uh, family with my girlfriend. We coordinated it so uh, I could meet her family. So uh, that was that was interesting. It was it was a lot of fun though, and I'll see my girlfriend again in a couple weeks. She's gonna come for my. Sister's high school graduation with a lot of my family. Well, that's great. Good to hear. Now you realize you are unofficially engaged. You've met the family, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'll be getting married. <laughs> so, okay. so, so, Hunter, do, uh, do, do your new in-laws listen to the show? Um, uh, I told them about it. They, 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 have, they have not listened to it yet. Okay, I was just wondering. Oh, I, I don't know it, just, your your reaction to meeting them. You know, wasn't wasn't overwhelming. I mean, you know, I'm overwhelmed with that reaction. Honestly, you know, my mom and dad really don't listen to the show. Uh, uh, yeah, they they don't. They don't. Oh man. Oh God. Uh, on, yeah, I know. I know. Are they not sports? They've fans? asked for the link. They've asked for it. I don't give them. I don't give them it. Oh, so this is so this is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, it, 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 you it's don't it's give a, them the link. Exactly. Oh boy, I'm telling you. Um, well, you're you not know ashamed of what you do. I mean, my, I, I mean, are you, you ashamed know, of us? No, no, I just don't need like my freaking mom or something calling in on the show and like saying something stupid. She's the kind of person that would say that stuff. Oh God! Well, we would... you better hope I never meet your mother. Oh man! <laughs> oh yeah, man! I, you know yeah, that. I don't, uh, don't want to see that. Hunter <laughs> says that uh, you. Pretty much thrown the same stupid stuff. That's why he doesn't want you listening. You know, yeah, yeah. You better keep us apart. So, <laughs> well, I did a po- I did a podcast once and with my friend. It was like it was sports. I was like it, it was like a couple years ago, and my uncle called in on it. So like after that, I, I'm just I'm not giving anyone. I, I can't. I, it was just very uncomfortable for me. <laughs> okay. Well. To move forward, uh, we also want our audience to join the conversation, uh, especially if have you visited any interesting places lately, uh, maybe met your girlfriend's parents, maybe met your mistress's parents, uh, you know, whichever way it goes, <laughs> give us a call, 516-387-1417. You can also tweet at us at our Twitter handle, WKD Sports Huddle. And this show is brought to you by author Marco Sacchio, Learn the Secret of the Human Mind and the Laws of the Universe that will guide you toward wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosacchio.com. And we're going to open the show. Uh, something happened uh, you know, early in the week, but 
you know, kicked up a lot of fuss, especially in the National League Central and as tight as the race has been. Anthony Rizzo made a, um, let's say, a hard slide into, uh, uh, what was the catcher's name, Dave? Elijah Diaz. Okay. Um, Diaz, Diaz. They made the... He has made the fourth at the plate, stepped forward, went to throw the first to try to complete the double play, and was sent flying by Rizzo, who slid into his uh, shin pads and and sent the ball sailing out into right field. Cubs got two more runs out of that situation and ended up winning that game. But uh, that ended up bringing out both benches, um, a lengthy review by the umpires to decide whether that was a legal slide or not. And they ended up upholding the play. Uh, Dave, from the Pittsburgh point of view, uh, where do you come in on what, uh, what Rizzo did in taking out Diaz? Well, there were a lot of pirates. Uh, media people are very upset uh, about about the slide. To me, I wasn't. I don't want to focus too much on Anthony Rizzo. I, I mean, we can't discuss him. Um, but actually, I think I might defend him. Um, I, I felt like he was just playing uh, hard baseball, um, kind of doing his job, trying to break up the double play, and he went too far. But that's not really Anthony Rizzo's fault. That's Major League Baseball's responsibility to enforce this rule that, that uh, I don't know how new it is, Tom, but I know it is a newer rule that wasn't around 2011. 10 years ago. 2011. But this is part of the Buster Posey rule, right? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, it's, it's rule 6.01. says, runner attempting to score may not deviate from his direct pathway to the plate in order to initiate contact with the catcher or other player covering home plate or otherwise initiate contact, initiate an avoidable collision. Uh, it wasn't a big collision. Uh, fortunately, Diaz was, was fine. It looked like he was injured at first, but uh, he, he shook it off and, and has been playing since. He, he's, he's perfectly fine. That, that's, that's good. So that, I think, helps Rizzo, at least in my mind. Um, but this was an illegal slide, and the umpires missed the call. Um, lengthy review, Rizzo slides into home plate in, in fair territory. Um, and again, I think he's going right up against the, the, the rules, the unwritten rules, whatever you want to say, um, in an attempt to break up the double play. And he's successful, but he actually breaks a rule, and it's, and it's really not even uh, – a gray area. There's, there, there, to me, there's no gray area with the rule that I just read. It, he initiated contact. He deviated from the direct pathway to the plate because there was a pathway for him to slide. Remember a few years ago, there was all this hoopla about catchers can't block the, the plate and this and that, and we're taking that ability away from catchers. Well, this is, this is the other side of that. Catchers can't block home plate, but when they're not blocking home plate, you cannot make contact with them. There was a clear path for Rizzo to slide into, and, and he does not take that pathway. 
All right, but now let's take a look at, you look at rule 6.01i. Uh, let's take a quick look at rule 6.01j, where it okay. says bona fide slide occurs when the runner, one, begins to slide, i.e. makes contact with the ground before reaching the base, two, is able and attempts to reach the base with his hand or foot. Rizzo was able to reach the base with his hand. As a matter of fact, just about his whole arm, but definitely his hand. Three, is able and attempts to remain on the base except home plate after completion of the slide of four. Slides within reach of the base without changing his pathway for the purpose of initiating contact with a fielder. All right, well, there's a little wiggle room in number four um, because he went from coming down outside of home plate uh, to inside of home plate. But other than that, essentially fulfilled all the requirements of what a slide is, you know, according to the rules. So, I mean, could you say that Diaz maybe assumed too much by just stepping forward and, and throwing instead of trying to clear from the plate area to make his throw. I mean, normally, you know, second baseman, you're making that keystone play, you know, second baseman shortstops, they have rule, they have, you know, set um, moves that they use to, to clear themselves from the, from a runner to, to be able to make a clean throw. Um, the, and, even catchers, you know, you're fielding a bunch or um, you're fielding something in front of the plate will normally go to the front of that home plate circle so they get a good angle to throw the ball to first base. Um, Diaz basically stepped on the plate and stepped forward, made his throw, and he assumed too much that, uh, you know, nothing was going to happen to him. Um you know, Rizzo's job is to make it a hard slide to uh, to try and take uh, to try and break up that double play. I mean, whether he's doing it at second base or doing it uh, at home plate, he, he's got to break up the double play. That's how baseball's played. Again, I don't have an issue with what Rizzo did. I, I don't. I know a lot of pirate people did. Uh, I, I really did not. I, that was something I did when I played. But I, the rule you read to me, it, it does inc- it does include home plate, but that is more for second base, from what I understand. And, and turning a, a double play at home plate, it, it's it's kind of weird because do we apply the rules for double plays at second base, or do we apply the rules that we have in place to protect catchers and and avoid home plate collisions, which we've tried to take out of the game? Uh, to me, I would think. And maybe I'm wrong, but I would think that the home plate rules would apply first. And you cannot make contact with the catcher if he is not blocking home plate. And he was not blocking home plate. Could he have done a better job getting out of the way? Like you said, Tom, perhaps. Um, I think that's a good point. But he is in front of the plate enough where Anthony Rizzo is sliding in fair territory into home plate. That is a very unusual thing to do to slide into home plate in fair territory. It's very obvious to me that Rizzo is doing that to break up the double play 
And again, I don't have a problem with him trying to break up the double play. That's the way baseball is played. But it's against the modern rules that we have. It should have been overturned. And baseball said that the next day, that they missed the call. Yeah, it's funny because you call New York for the replay. And they have an umpire there who, you know, thoroughly um, kind of reviews the play, takes a look from different angles. For me, actually, the play looked perfectly clean until I saw it um, from an angle down the third baseline where you could obviously see that Rizzo uh, came inside the plate area. Um, and, and, yeah, technically by the uh, rules in place, what they did, yeah, it was an illegal slide. Um, now, Hunter, you you tweeted out later what I am as we were discussing it. You thought it was dirty. I didn't really, I didn't really like it. Um, I, I I do understand the point the points you're making. I just I, I saw it when I was watching because I saw a lot of um, the, a lot of the Penguins the fans I follow my timeline tweeting about it. So I was like, okay, I probably need to check this out since it's probably going to be on the show next week. So I looked at <laughs> it and it just he slid very early. And like you guys said, I know he's going to try to uh, break up a double play, but I mean. To me, I mean, he knew what he was doing the whole time. I mean, I mean, who, who would? I mean, I think a lot of players actually would do that. And then, you know, yeah, the people that said, um, you know, um, I think I, I tweeted out sarcastically, you know, of course, you know, it, it's the Cubs that did this. Um, I just wanted to see if anyone find it funny, but you know, no one did. So I'm not as good as a sarcastic <laughs> tweeter as others, but um, uh, yeah, I just. I didn't. I just didn't like it. And you know, it, the funniest part was they, they replayed it and they said it was legal, only for it to be say it's not legal the next day. It's like, man, your you, your guys' replay is just bad. Well, and that's yeah, one and, of the points. <laughs> that's what made me so. That that's what made me so angry because it, it, yeah, to me, it was I, I would pretty clear cut that it was that it was illegal and. Yeah, and you have Joe Madden coming out and and uh, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah, up, upset, even like, though he got the call right, he got the call in his favor, yeah. and he comes out of the dugout and and was was arguing. I I didn't understand that, and I, and I didn't really like Joe Madden's press conference at all after the game. Um, you know, Who basically does, saying that. Who does? <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically saying that you know. Uh, I, I forget exactly what he said, but Rizzo said, or he said that Rizzo did nothing wrong. He was defending Rizzo, and then and people kind of brought up the rule and and are making some of the points that we're making here. And and Madden just kind of says, "Well, I I believe I'm right. I believe I'm right." And it's like, wow! If I had a quarter every time I heard somebody say that, I would be a rich man. Uh, you know, you, <laughs> you believe you're right. I mean, how, what is that? You're 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 actually wrong, well, Joe. Uh, it, well, here's 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 what Madden said. He goes, okay. I talked to Mr. Tory, and he explained to me his interpretation because Joe Tory is has the ruling, you know, is kind of the the czar of baseball rules. Uh, That's how I feel. Yeah, you're kind of like, yeah. Uh, said there's nothing wrong with that play. You know, 
I told him with all due respect, I absolutely disagree. There's nothing wrong with that play. Again, the umpires got it right both in New York and on the field last night. Almost like a doctor reading an MRI, you might get two different opinions on the same set of information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, on you, Joe Madden. We got it wrong. Uh, well, he also said, argued that Major League Baseball should not penalize good heart baseball and really wants to revisit that rule at the end of the season, in the offseason. Uh, do you think the rule needs to be revisited? I Let's think go so. with Hunter first. I, I, Hunter, he doesn't have much. Okay, stuff. yeah. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Dave. I think so, yeah. I, I think that we could I, – I, I liked the, 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 the old collision plays at, at home plate. And, again, we put this in because Buster Posey got hurt one time. Um, and Buster Posey was not in a good position when he got injured on that play. Uh, it was – I'm sorry to say this. It was his fault that he got hurt. It wasn't Major League Baseball's fault, and it's not their responsibility to put in this complicated rule – that uh, we we don't seem to understand, but what what do you think, Hunter? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it needs to be it needs to be better defined. I actually really like those um, home plate collision rules. I, I really did. There, um, I would always wake up every morning, and there would probably be like one from each game every night that happened. It would it would always be fun to see when I was like a little kid. But um, y- y- yeah, you're still I, a little I, kid. It, <laughs> you know what, Dave? I stumped Tom last week about a hockey question, so you would be happy. I think he looked up the answer. Oh, I, I did. But I listened to that. No, uh, I did I not remember. look up the answer. He did, Dave. He I did. had to do some thinking about it, but I did not look up the answer. Dave, he cheated. That, that was that was the Capitals question, right? When they were last in the Cup, yeah. who they played? Yeah, who they played. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Tom cheated, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh, um, yeah, they, they really do need to redefine it. Um, you know, you, you have plays like this, and you know, people. There's like so many uh, opinions out there. You know, well, was it a dirty slide? You know, was he was he doing this on? Was it an accident? Was he doing this on purpose? And, and you know, you, and they're gonna see so many more of these plays. Um, probably by the time the season's over, for being perfectly honest. Uh, and, you know, the same discussion is going to come up again um, but for other teams. And, you know, hopefully it's not my team because I don't want to have to deal with um, someone sliding into my catcher. So, um, well, the, yeah, the hell of this is, yeah. the hell of this is, if there's no arguing, he did it on purpose. Oh, yeah, he did. I mean, they, they, this wasn't an accident. Um, yeah. But he did stay within the rules of a – of what baseball calls a bona fide slide, which yeah. is just a joke. <laughs> a yeah, bona fide it, slide. Yeah, what the hell? What, a bona fide slide? That's a, <laughs> little weird, that's a weird, that, weird that's way to That's the way the rule reads. All right, Rob Manfred, someone's got to call you and uh, talk about that rule. Um, oh. Is this? I mean, he he slid way too early, but I mean, he knew what he was doing. He was, you know, like I say, he was trying to break up a double play. But I mean, you know, he he, he did hurt him. So, I mean, you know, of course, people are going to really get think, you know, you know, he intentionally he intentionally tried to hurt him for uh, sliding that early to break it up and all that 
stuff, and you know it, it's just going to happen again. And you know we'll we'll go round and round again. Do you guys just wear sin protectors? Wizzle got them in the sin protectors. He went down pretty hard, Tom. I don't know. It looked like he went down pretty yeah, hard. Yeah, I know, but Rizzo was in more danger of getting hurt than Diaz. Oh, sliding into the uh, shin protector? Yeah. Well, it, your, your knee can't uh, – uh, your knee doesn't bend a certain way. <laughs> I don't, I don't know think it matters if, if you're wearing shin pads. I don't know if he can get hurt worse that way, honestly. But I'm no doctor, so who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Okay. Um, I think one one I, one easy way to clear it up could could be just do we use the the six dot oh one i part for double plays at home plate or do we use the rule six dot oh one j because that's kind of where if you want to argue that there's an interpretation to be made on this play that's kind of where the interpretation is right do I do I apply oh, I agree. rule i or do I apply rule j so maybe that's where right. you clear it up. I think the other issue I have, and this is a whole other can of worms, is the second part of, of the J rule, is able and attempts to reach the base with his hand or foot. Well, that kind of, if you're allowed to do that, reach out with just your hand, you can really slide out, out of your direct pathway. But the rule says that you are in your direct pathway, technically, if you're sliding where your hand is touching the base. Now, there are certain mm-hmm. times where you need to slide around the catcher and only have your hand touch the home plate because that's the only way you're going to be safe. So that's why that part is in there. But you shouldn't be sliding into second base where you, only your hand is touching the base. That is not the fastest way to second base. You're, uh, and if you do that, you're sliding into a fielder that's either in front of the bag or behind the bag. And that is... Yes, you are. I think is that is that should be against the rules. Um, in that scenario, you should be sliding with your feet to the bag because but you're going to get uh, to the bag faster. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to do it a, a different way. But that, 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 it's not a matter of how fast you get to the bag because you're already going to be out. It's a matter of is the second baseman or shortstop in a position where – a runner can get to them without sliding. And, and this is the way it used to be. Runners used to uh, slide completely out of the way of the bag. There was no question about whether or not they could touch the bag. They were sliding for the fielder. This interpretation of the rule keeps the runner from sliding directly towards the fielder without at least making an attempt to touch the bag. And the rule does say if you overslide second base, can't stay in contact with the base, then you're definitely uh, called for interference. Because, you know, so you really don't have, you know, that that's why that rule is there, to keep the runner from going, you know, five feet away from the bag to try and take out the fielder. Right, right. But I, I think so, that if we really want to be – if we really this, – this is why I said it opens another can of worms because I, I think that you really shouldn't be sliding with just your hand to the bag. You should be sliding with your foot to the bag. There are cases, though, where you might need to slide – into home plate really is the only time where you, need, you might need to slide around the catcher who 
is trying to apply a late tag. Uh, other than that, you really should be sliding with your foot into into the base. Um, and, and you brought up the, the late slide thing, the, the being able to slide and stay on the bag, and, and that was what happened in the third game of the series with Joe Musgrove, the Pirates pitcher, <laughs> yes. actually has a – a late slide. I would call it a late slide into second base, breaking up a double play, and he doesn't stay on the bag. That that should be again clear cut interference. Both of these plays, in my mind, should have been called interference, and neither one was. Musgrove also got away with it. Yes, he did. And Javi Baez was very upset at the fact that Musgrove got away with it. But but the result of that play really. I don't know. It, 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 it's almost a comedy. It's almost like something you can't make up because the umpires went to review, not necessarily to find out if it was interference. The reason they didn't call it interference was because Baez didn't make the attempt to throw the ball to first base. Well, he couldn't. I mean, Musgrave had taken him out, uh, you know, kept him from throwing the ball. But the ruling was that the play was not reviewable or the play was not deemed reviewable because Baez didn't throw the ball. So they had a review to decide that the play could not be reviewed. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's where this thing really gets into uh, absurd territory for me pretty absurd and and again i I think that a lot of these rules uh, i don't think this one is as bad as the catch rule or uh yeah the catch rule we had with um with jesse james last year um but but it's similar in the sense of we, we just overthink these rules sometimes uh you know it's pretty clear he doesn't stay on the bag so it's interference uh it just and and it's pretty clear to me that rizzo doesn't changes his path that that is interference but we make this complicated language where there's this gray area and the complicated language is Mm -hmm. supposed to clear up and and be applied to any situation and really it just makes it worse it makes it worse it always does that's what happened in football that's what's happened here in baseball um the more complicated the more you try to to cover oh let's they cover all your bases uh, <laughs> with in a pun. decision. That yeah, thank you. The more complicated it gets, so you know I do understand it, it is ridiculous. But you know, it's about all the time we could spend on this subject. I think we could probably have spent the whole show on it. But we do want to get into a bit of the National League Central, and I, I definitely want to talk a little bit about this Stanley Cup Final because. Um, some really fantastic hockey being played. So I think we're going to take a quick break. Uh, if anybody wants to call in, anybody has an opinion on what uh, we were talking about with the slide rules and Anthony Rizzo, 516-387-1417. Give us a yell. We will be right back. Hunter Hodes, Dave Holcomb, this is Tom Pollan on WRSP's Weekend Sports Huddle. Einstein and New is Jennifer Millius's exciting new children's book series, about two black and white cats who are brother and sister and have great adventures. 
The first book, Einstein and the Leap, is all about playful Einstein. Suitable for children of all ages and cat lovers alike, Einstein and the Leap is a wonderfully written and illustrated book that will capture your heart. Buy your copy of Einstein and the Leap today at www.rsplaunchpad.com, Amazon, or Barnes & Noble Nook. And we're back on Weekend Sports Huddle. This is Tom Powell, along with Hunter Hodes and Dave Holcomb. This show is brought to you by Arthur Marco Sacchio. Learn the secret of the human mind and the laws of the universe that will guide you toward wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosacchio.com. Uh, last week, Hunter and I were talking about the uh, our picks, uh, preseason picks for uh, division champs. And, boy, in one week, the, the division races, especially in the National League Central, have really taken a turn. Uh, Cubs have climbed into second place. Uh, Milwaukee is now in third. And the Pirates have fallen all the way down to fourth. Uh, Dave Hunter, oh, well, Dave, I mean, what's happening with the Pirates? That, that What's going wrong that was going right earlier in the season? Uh, right now, I, I would say the bullpen is the, the biggest issue. Um, they've had a couple games uh, that they should have won this past week, and they blew it late um, last Sunday against the Cardinals. They're up 4-3 um, four to, four to three in that game, I believe. Um, actually, no, it was 4-1. to one, I'm sorry, 4-1 to one going into the seventh inning, Tyone, uh, Jamison Tyone, you, you talked about him last week, not having a great season. Uh, he pitched pretty well in that game. Um, should have gotten his first win since uh, middle of April, I believe, and the bullpen blows it. They give up um, three runs, of, no, sorry, five runs. In uh, Well, two of the runs were inherited. So uh, two of the runs were charged to Tyone, and then the bullpen gives up three runs, but they were unable to strand uh, inherited runners in that one as well. Five runs kind of responsible from the bullpen in that one. Uh, and that's kind of where it started, the bad, really bad week from the bullpen um, Sunday. And then it happened again Tuesday against the Cubs. The Pirates have a small lead but lose 8-6. to six. Really got out of hand in that one. Um, and then Friday, uh, sorry, Thursday was the worst. Pirates battle back from a 4-0 deficit, take a, a uh, 8-5 lead on a home run from Francisco Cervelli, and then uh, Felipe Vasquez is not the same pitcher as Felipe Rivero. <laughs> it seems like he changed mm-hmm. his name, and he hasn't been the same guy. <laughs> Faced five batters. All of them scored. I, that has to be some kind of record. Five batters faced for, from a closer. Didn't get an out. And all of them score. The Pirates lose 10-8. to 8. And there were Pirate fans really trying to blame Clint Hurdle that, oh, well, why didn't he have somebody else warming up in the bullpen? It's your closer. He should shut down the game. Right. He got a three-run lead. Yeah. He faces five batters, and the game's over. All of them <clears> score. It just I've never seen that before. I can't recall that ever happening. Uh, and it just was a fitting end to, to the week. Uh, the Pirates did bounce back and won last night. Um and I think overall, if you look at the greater picture, the fact there's still three games above 500 is, is an accomplishment because we buried this team in March, that they would not have a chance. 
Um, but right now they're they're really struggling because the back end of their bullpen is is quite honestly it's terrible, absolutely terrible. Yeah, it's it's hard. You're right, and uh, yeah, we had this team uh, contending with the Reds for last place, and uh, and we said for the last couple of weeks that they've uh, really. Really shown a lot more than any of us expected, but and, and that's one of the things that'll kill you. You get some great pitching, and you know the good and bad of a bullpen is if they're going good, uh, you're going to be in a, a you know you're going to be tough to beat if you could just get a quick lead. You're going to be tough to beat if your bullpen's going good. If your bullpen's going bad, you got to hope your starter is going deep into a game because. Uh, you know, you're you're going to blow it otherwise, and that that makes a big difference on the team. I think back to our interview um, with John Parado about how he was talking about the importance of closers and how that related to to Trevor Hoffman. I think was who we were talking about um, his mm-hmm. candidacy to make the Hall of Fame. And uh, I just thought I just went thought back to what he said about how he's seen bullpens ruin seasons uh, closers ruin seasons because uh it's just so deflating when you lose games late uh that you, you think you're supposed to win um and that's what's happening for the pirates right now just devastated that they can erase a four nothing lead uh have the offense to come back have a three-run lead this wasn't a one-run lead guys a three-run lead uh-huh. in the ninth inning and your and your closer doesn't retire one batter um it's just just ridiculous. And what, what's interesting, though, the the Pirates bullpen started horribly at the, at, the, at the beginning of the season. First week and a half, two weeks was bad. Then they had a 40-game stretch where they, they had the second-best bullpen ERA in the league. So you kind of thought, okay, they turned the corner. Well, in the last week, right. that all went, you know, that all went out the window – um, and to me, looking forward, it's kind of like, well, what bullpen are they going to get? Are they going to get <laughs> the one that they had for a 40-game stretch? That's not a small sample size. They were good for, right. you know, a month and a half. Um, Dr. Jekyll and it, Mr. It, Hyde. Right, yeah. So so are, are they going to – is this just a blip on the radar? Is, is this just a bad week? Or is this going to be – what they are moving forward and, and their 40 game stretch where they were great was, was an aberration. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Well, um, let's see, you know, that particular thing going wrong for the pirates, that's what's been going right for the Cubs. Uh, their bullpen has been outstanding this year. So, and that's one of the reasons why I think you could say that, well, say that that's one of the reasons why the Cubs have managed to hold on through this period where they were, you know, struggling to uh, score runs, but their bullpen was able to make a lot of small leads, a lot of tight games hold up that normally, you know, a team would have lost because because their bullpen w- was so good and, and is really pitching very well. And that's one of the reasons why I think the Cubs are going to stay in contention and eventually overtake the Brewers. But, I mean, it's not because 
Well, Catwood is is a joke here in Chicago because he can't seem to throw a strike. But Hendricks, Lester, Quintana, and even Catwood, they're getting bailed out. They don't have to go as deep into a game or, or when they get in trouble, you got the guys back in the bullpen who can do a job. And and that's been a big difference with the Cubs. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Um, number and, and, thing and the, going well. Oh, go ahead. I was. I think I. I was going to bring up. I think where you're going is the offense was was cool in April, um, and part of that. I think a big part of it. Tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, was Rizzo and his back injury wasn't hitting very well um, when he was in the lineup? Then he missed some games, but but he's heating up, right? Uh, heating up really well. Um, flashing since May 18th, he's flashing 327, 433. So even if he's not getting a hit, he's walking and 960, uh, two home runs, 14 RBIs. And it seems like he's taking the rest of the lineup with him. One of the things that, that's been a real controversy here in Chicago is the fact that Joe Madden, in his ever ever uh, continuing tinkering with the lineup, um, doesn't seem doesn't seem to be playing Albert Almora as much as he should. Albert Almora is having an incredible season. And Especially out of the leadoff spot, it seems like he's actually the guy who's igniting the offense when he's playing and playing out of the leadoff spot. Um, uh, yeah. Kind of the way igniting the offense, the way that uh, uh, Dexter Fowler did. And But Madden won't settle in and keep Elmore in the lineups. Um, there are times when he keeps bringing Ian Happ in to start, and and Elmore's got that combination of, you know, strong bat and quick and great speed, great defense that I think you have to have in center field every day. And I, I, I I'm getting tired of seeing him platoon. Is he platooning him in, in a right handed, left handed fashion? Is is Hap Hap is a left handed hitter, right? Is Hap playing more against right handed? Hap is a pitchers? switch hitter. Hap is okay. a switcher. I was sure Okay. Yeah. But, you know, the Cubs do rely on a lot of uh, advanced stat work, uh, looking at uh, a lot of splits, a lot of, uh, you know, newfangled new statistics that you kids are starting to come up with. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, so, but the problem is, and he, man, what got a little ticked a couple of weeks ago about people always questioning him about his lineups because apparently he goes in deep into the numbers to figure out who's likely to be more successful that day. But it seems like Al Moore has been successful no matter who you put him in against or, or where you, you know, it's just a matter of putting him in, letting him lead off, and letting him ignite the offense as far as uh, people in Chicago can see. So, you know, Madden's probably, 
Hmm? I was just going to make what? a joke. I think Madden thinks Elmora is having success because he's playing him when his deep numbers tell him to. <laughs> right? And, you know, that that's not – you might be joking about that. That's not as far away from the point as I think – as I said, I think you're you're making a joke that's probably more true than you think it is. Um, so do you agree that, that Madden should keep using his numbers, or do you think Elmore should play more? I think Elmore should play more. Okay. Uh, I think he's proven that he can play. Um, yeah. He's he's let off for 22 games this season. He's 326 out of the leadoff spot. Uh, 379 uh, on base percentage out of the leadoff spot. Um, you know that's that's some outstanding production out of the leadoff, and and you know, I, I think you got to keep him there. Um, it's you know you got the guys coming up behind them. You got you know sometimes over at second, but you got Bryant, you got Rizzo. Things one of the reasons why Rizzo's uh, RBIs are starting to climb. Because you're getting mm-hmm. that kind of uh, of output out of Almora, uh, first inning. So when he's leading off, uh, 385 batting average. So, you know, this guy is hitting the first time around against a pitcher. And you got to take a look at that. Some guys, it takes a couple of times around the lineup before they get a handle on a pitcher. Well, Almora's seeing a guy uh, very well his first time through the lineup. And you got to take advantage of that. So, I'm, I'm saying you you've got to get this guy in the lineup if you want to keep your hot streak going, want to keep your offense going. And, but, I would say Madden would say, well, he's only doing that because of the way I'm playing him. See, as a right. starter, yeah. he's hitting 350 with a 396 on base percentage. As a substitute, he's only hitting 118. <laughs> you know, it's that, that, that frustrating thing when you come to Albert Almora. Um, and, yeah. and he makes incredible catches. I mean, this defense in center field is impeccable. It's incredible. Uh, he's hitting just as well versus right-hand pitchers as he is against left-handed pitchers. So I, I don't see any reason why you need to – to move him in and out of the lineup or, or give him a day, a couple of days a week to sit down so you can let other guys get into the lineup. At some point, you've got to earn your at-bats, and Elmora's earned his at-bats. So sitting him to make sure others can get their at-bats during the week and making sure that the other guys in your lineup are happy because they're, they're getting some time on the field, I don't care. You play the guy who's playing. You play the guy who's productive for you, and you let the other guys try and take advantage of their opportunities and play their way into the lineup, if they can. Now, Moore has done it. So, yeah, he's got to stand. That's my rant for today. I agree. Today, uh... <laughs> I, it was a good rant, but... a good rant. And, and I think, in general, um, I was just going to add that I, I really don't like when managers platoon the leadoff guy. I just don't think it's a believe that that is a good strategy. You don't platoon your three and four hitters, and you don't platoon your leadoff guy. You got to have the same right. leadoff guy every day, in my opinion. 
Hunter, you're more new school. We we tease you about being younger. Do you, do you think that you can uh, platoon a leadoff guy, the leadoff position? I think if it's if it's like not not going well, you know, I I of course you know I'd switch things up, or you know if um, after a couple games, you know, I'd probably switch it up a little more often than probably you guys would. Um, I'd try to I'd try to keep the same one, but um, if it, if it's if it's not working, you know, after a little bit, you know, I would I would I would make changes. But um, I think, but overall, I think my point is, um, I know you guys would probably keep it longer than I would, so I'd, I'd probably make some changes quick, uh, more quicker, since I know some managers, uh, some uh, younger managers, uh, will make changes uh, when they see appropriate. Yeah, yeah, in this case, I think Madden is, is trying to out, outsmart himself. Uh, yeah, no, he, I he does that a that. lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is he going to have another glass of wine after the game? Um, <laughs> oh, that gif makes me want it makes me cringe. But, um, yeah, I think, yeah, so some people would probably just, they, they, they do too much. And, and you see that in other sports sometimes, too, like, like in hockey, they'll try like like line bad line combinations after just one loss, and it's like you know you're just you're trying to outsmart yourself here. You, you can keep it after one, maybe if you get like a, a couple other games, then it's okay to maybe make some changes. But don't don't like try to outsmart yourself by being stupid. I felt like Barry Trotz was always a guy that that did that in the playoffs, at least the last two years, and. And finally, it's working out for him. Let's let's talk some Stanley Cup. Yeah, he, I he think so. Let's get into some. Let's let's take a break, one more break, and then let's uh, get into some of the Stanley Cup Finals action because uh, to me, it, it's been enjoyable. Uh, these two teams have really given us the heck of a series so far. Game three tonight. Uh, we will be right back. Hunter Hodes, Dave Holcomb on WRSP's Weekend Sports Huddle. Three More Bites, the cookbook series by husband and wife duo Ayo and Bob Lai will keep you entertained and your appetite satisfied. With recipes inspired by their life stories, cooking and enjoying these unique recipes is a perfect way to spend time with friends and family. Whether you are an experienced chef or just learning to cook, their helpful cooking tips and tricks and delicious recipes will have you begging for three more bites. Pick up your copy of Three More Bites Presents Cozy Cooking and Three More Bites Presents Three Weddings and a Honeymoon Today from www.3morebites.com. And welcome back to WRST Radio's Weekend Sports Huddle. This show was brought to you by Arthur Marcos Hockey. Learn the secret of the human mind and the laws of the universe that will guide you toward wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcoshockey.com. Uh, remember, you can find us on Twitter at WKD Sports Huddle. And on Facebook, uh, search for us, Weekend Sports Huddle. Give us a like. Uh, we've done, uh, Dave has done some Facebook Lives uh, over the past month, and very interesting to see. So uh, search it out on Facebook. Give us a like. Join the conversation. Guys, we got about uh, a little over four minutes left. Series tied one to one going into Game Three tonight, heading to Washington tonight. Uh, Dave, 
uh, Hunter got his uh, opportunity to dig deep into this series last week. Uh, why don't you uh, open up this segment? Well, I wanted to bring up a point that you guys made last week, and I think Tom, you asked Hunter about uh, why why is Vegas playing so well? Um, why have they been able to do what they they have done? And and um, I I feel like I wanted I wanted to weigh in on that and just say that yes, the NHL uh, set it up so this team could compete you know right away. Yes, I think Hunter's points about how some NHL GMs uh, made silly mistakes on, on who they protected is, is a valid point. But I think the, 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 the point I wanted to make was Vegas got good players. None of them are great, but they got good players, and all of them felt jaded. All of them felt like, man, my current team didn't want me. And that was very true in, in the quote that they put up on the TV during game one, and I was able to go back and find it online from the Courier Post actually back in March. Uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who's basically their captain, right, Hunter? He's, he's, he's an assistant captain, but they have no captain. Yeah, he's basically the guy who will probably get the cup first if right. they win. All right, so this is what he had to say. He said, I guess part of it is you got 23 players arrive here, all kind of misfits. If you're coming to Vegas, it's because somebody in the organization you were in before, even if they wanted to have you, they didn't protect you. Somehow you're here for a reason, because if you had been better, you would have been protected. And all season long, these guys are playing with a chip on their shoulder. And because they have no superstar, they're playing four lines. And, and everybody's contributing, and everybody is a cast-off. And I think that's been a joy to see. Even Marc-Andre Fleury, who you could argue is a superstar or one of the better goalies in the league, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. He was, he's an outcast because the Penguins chose Matt Murray over him. Um, and, and they're all yes. playing with a chip on their shoulder. And, and that's what's mm-hmm. made this so much fun, that – these are – it's an island of misfit toys, and, and, and none of them belonged, or, or <laughs> they all felt like they didn't belong in their previous team, and, and uh, they've found success playing together as a team. Uh, what do you think about the fact of all the work that Gerard Gerlant has done uh, in bringing this team together? I think the style of play that he's instilled has been fantastic. Uh, the the open ice, up and down mentality, but also playing very strong defensively. Uh, there's just not much space out there for the opponents. Uh, Winnipeg Jets brought that up. Patrick Line said, I, I just didn't have any space to shoot. Uh, and this is a guy that scored 40 goals, 40 plus goals in, in each of his first two years. So uh, Vegas playing mm-hmm. well defensively. Uh, I love their style. It's exciting. And when they do have Defensive lapses. Mark Andre Fleury's been there to bail him out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Hunter, what are we looking forward to with Game Three tonight? Well, you gotta hope that uh, Mark Andre Fleury plays a bit better than he has uh, the first two games. I know he won Game One, lost Game Two, but um, he's below 900 the first two games. Uh, not nearly as high as he's been throughout the first three uh, rounds. So I think you look for him to have a, hopefully a, a big bounce back performance. 
um, was way off his angle on um, one of the Capitals' goals last game. Barzell, I believe, came way too far out of his net. And, you know, that's what that's what you get with him. Um, I think uh, – Well, hasn't that always been keep... the criticism of Marc-Andre Fleury, that, that you'll catch I mean, him out of the net too often? He's had those kind of um, plays sometimes. But um, he came just – he came way too far out of his crease. Um, and, you know, he was in, he was basically caught in no man's land. And, you know, that, that's not it, – it's not going to work um, when, you know, the guy has a wide open net. Um, Evgeny Kuznetsov's status is huge tonight. You know, um, it, it looks like mm-hmm. he's going to play. He practiced again. Um, you know, it, it looked like – it looked bad at first. It looked like he honestly broke his wrist. So, um, if he's going to play, that, that's big news for them because if, he's, if he was going to be out for any – time it, it would be a big blow um to the capitals in this series so um I, I look for that as a big key you know i think mark andre fleury needs to play better and um uh you know the vegas will have to um be better defensively uh uh, uh this game as well i thought they were um not as good as they normally were or normally are uh the last game when um uh they allowed those uh three goals and um, hopefully everyone stops ca- talking about this Brayden Holpe save as, like, the save of the year. Uh, that, that really grinds my gears. <laughs> really, I mean, I, I have a friend. Well, I was going to ask you, Hunter, I was going to ask you guys uh, at, real quick because we're out of time, but did that save the, the playoffs for the Capitals? I mean, it saved the game, uh, no, no doubt. Uh, I mean, you know, that's a 3-3 game. If he scores, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't want to go down 0-2. I mean, it, it, it could have saved the series for sure. It was just the timing of it was what made it the save so big and so good. But, I mean, the save itself, he didn't even elevate the puck. If he elevates the puck just like three feet up in the – three feet up, that's a goal. Like, And my friend was telling me it's a goalie's instinct to put his stick out like that in desperation. So, I mean – um, you know, uh, I've seen Matt Murray do that already in these playoffs, so um, not as big of a stage, of course. But um, just save me the talk of it. It's you know the save mm-hmm. of the year. You know, great, great save. You know, um, you know, a big moment. You know, could have saved the series because you know would have gone to overtime, and you know who knows what happened. But save of the year. Let, 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 let's chill out, Caps fans. Well, okay, let, let's let's chill out here. Well, Dave, what do you got to say? Save- I don't know if it's the save of the year, but Hunter, life is all about timing, and uh, I know it, it was, was a, a very, a I know. very, yeah, I know. it was a huge moment, a huge moment. I, I mean, you you explained it. If they don't, if he doesn't make that save, they might be down to nothing. It's the biggest yeah. save in Capitals franchise history right it now. Actually probably, it, uh, it actually probably is when you think about it. Yeah, it really is. So. Okay, maybe we've seen more athletic, more fantastic saves if we want to just rank, you know, based on uh, spectacular individual efforts. Uh, it wasn't spectacular. Okay, I'll give you that. But uh, it was uh, huge. It was huge in that moment. So yes. um, it could end up being uh, the biggest save made this season. Guys, can we yeah, say it that uh, way? Yeah. And, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, and on that note, I'll do, I'll do. we're going to have to uh, – we're going to have to cut it short. Uh, we are out of time, unfortunately, because, man, this has been a very spirited 
episode, and I think we could go another hour with a lot of this stuff, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, that that's it. And uh, we hope you fans have a great week. Come back next week for a brand-new episode of Weekend Sports Huddle, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Central Time. This is Tom Collin with Hunter Holies, Hunter Hodes and Dave Holcomb oh. wishing you all a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.